Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you, and welcome to those of you online watching. And uh, man, we hope that God moves in your heart in a powerful way today as we open up His Word. Hey, uh, when you hear the word tragedy, what comes to mind? Is it a lot of the global and national issues that you see? Is it the war, the senseless killings, poverty, slavery, you know, racism, all those kinds of things? Or maybe it's a, it's a little bit more personal. Maybe it was a death in the family or a diagnosis that you didn't see coming your way or maybe an accident. Maybe it was the divorce situation or fragmented family. Like when you hear the word tragedy, what comes to mind? You know, yesterday uh, I was doing, doing my yard and my neighbor was out in his yard doing stuff and we started talking and he knows we pray for him and, and he says, hey, um, can, can, can I ask you to pray for somebody? I said, yeah, yeah, what's going on? He goes, well, my daughter, her... her um, her schoolmate got some news from her mom on Thursday, and I guess uh, mom was on the phone with her dad. And as they were on the phone, all of a sudden, he goes, man, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm not feeling good. The next thing she knows, while on the phone with her husband, he dies. And, and, and this happened Thursday, and he says, would you, would you pray for this family? I said, man, I definitely will pray for that family. That's tragic. I mean, That's tragic. And, and we think about all the tragedies that we've seen or we hear about or the tragedies that we've experienced, and all of those things are emotionally, mentally, um, just you know, physically wrenching. And they're true tragedies. But there's one tragedy that we often forget to think about. Or when we think about it, we don't let it wrench us like it should. And this is a spiritual tragedy. It's the reality that there are millions and millions of people, ranging from people in our own home to entire people groups that aren't right with God. They have no relationship with Jesus. And in reality, they're in an adversarial relationship with the God who made them and loves them. And if that doesn't get fixed, they're going to spend forever all of eternity in a place of punishment and separation from God. That is a tragedy. And not as tragic as that, but also still tragic, is that there's a lot of people, maybe even you, this morning, that maybe you do know the Lord. You are right with God. But you're not operating, you're not utilizing a supernatural hope that God has given you through your relationship with Christ because you are right with him. And instead, you let circumstances or your emotions or situations overwhelm you and rob you of experiencing the supernatural joy and peace that doesn't make sense when you first look at it when you encounter difficulties. But it doesn't have to be that way. And that's exactly what we're going to look at as we're spending our time together in the book of Romans chapter 5. So I invite all of you here online, open up your Bibles or fire up your Bible apps to Romans chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11 uh, this morning. And uh, we've been going through this series, Romans, this thick, awesome, rich theological book. And the series called Right With God, where we learn how to be made right with God and how to walk right with God, help others become right with God. And so we're picking up as we're continuing to move through the book in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. So I ask you to join me there, and we're going to start together. Romans chapter 5, 
Just follow me along here. Therefore, okay, we'll just stop right there. <laughs> Remember when you see the word therefore, what you have to ask yourself, what's therefore? Therefore. It means because of something that was just said in the previous verses, what's about to be read is true. And so what's therefore, therefore? Well, if you were here last week or if you weren't here last week, we go back to Romans chapter 4, and we think about how Pastor Rick last week shared with us that when we're made right with God, that when we cross this threshold of faith in Jesus Christ, we believe in who Jesus is, we believe in his death on the cross for the sins of mankind, we believe in his resurrection from the grave for eternal life and new life. When we believe that, when we're made right with God, this fabulous thing comes our way called imputed righteousness. Remember he talked about imputed righteousness. Now, I don't know how many of you might have asked someone this week, hey, do you know what imputed righteousness is? But we, we talked about that. And Pastor Rick shared with us the definition of imputed righteousness, that, that the declaration by God that all the righteous acts of Christ are credited to us reckoned to be ours and put to our account. Therefore, we are accepted as righteous in God's sight. We are right with God. This is imputed righteousness. So for those who are right with God in Christ, who have imputed righteousness, what now? Well, therefore, (laughs) now we can read the rest. Um, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance. And endurance produces what? Character. And character produces what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. God, Heavenly Fathers, we hang out here today, opening up our Bibles, trying to learn from you, from you, Holy Spirit. Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us right now, Lord, how to understand these concepts of peace that we see, these concepts of hope and rejoicing and sufferings that we see, Lord, these are difficult things. But God, you've made them available to us. You've made them possible for us. And so, Lord, um, transform us today because we spent time with you in your word. We ask in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. I want to I take these 11 verses. I want to condense them down to this understanding. Those who are right with God have two huge benefits. First, they have eternal peace. Secondly, they have enduring hope. Eternal peace. We're not talking about the peace of God. Remember Pastor Rick even talked about that last week. We're not talking about the peace of God that comes to us when things get kind of crazy. God's peace still anchors you and holds you still, even though chaos is going on around you. We're not talking about peace of God. We're talking about peace with God. That there's been a peacemaking. There's been a truce. There's been a reconciliation. You're no longer in an adversarial relationship, if you will. 
And so we're talking about peace with God. Well, let's be reminded why we need peace with God. Because due to our sinful nature, we run from God, we oppose God, we find ourselves in opposition to God. Like when I didn't know Christ as a young man, I was an enemy of God. Now, I didn't think that, and I I would have never expressed it that way, but here's the reality. I didn't want God to run my life. I wanted to run my life. I didn't love God. I loved myself and only myself. I didn't want to obey God. I wanted to obey my own desires and my own longings. I didn't want to surrender to God. I want to surrender to, to my own plans. So because of that, it put me in an adversarial relationship with God. And that's the case for all of us, that we're in this adversary relationship and without Christ because we don't know the real, loving, holy, righteous God who made us, and we won't submit to him. I love what uh, Jonathan Edwards, a powerful preacher um, back in the 1700s, said in a sermon. Check out this sermon title, Men Are Naturally God's Enemies. I'd like to put that on a postcard and hand that out to people. Want to come to church Sunday? (laughs) Here's what we're talking about. But in 1736, in this powerful sermon called Men Are Naturally God's Enemy, here's what he says about this uh, adversary relationship between God and man. They, meaning us, count him, meaning God, worthy neither to be loved nor feared. They value one of their equals much more than God and are ten times more afraid of offending such than of displeasing the God that made them. They cast such exceeding contempt on God as to prefer every vile lust before him. And every worldly enjoyment is set higher in their esteem than God. A morsel of meat or a few pence worth of worldly gain is preferred before him. God is set last and lowest in the esteem of natural men. Probably not really relevant to today, right? <laughs> that, that's us. That's, that's who we are in our nature as people. We're naturally enemies of God, adversaries to the Holy One. If you don't think of yourself that way, just think about what Jesus said. He, he boiled this down real simple. In Matthew 12, 30, he says, whoever is not with me is what? There's no middle ground. There's no neutral zone. You're either with God, but if you're not with them, that automatically means you're against him. That's the reality of our condition. And so how does one have peace? How, how do we get a truce? How do we, how do we be made right with God? Well, look again at those first couple verses in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we've been made right with God by faith, by trusting in what he's told us about Jesus, right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This truce, this peace, this reconciliation, this restoration, it's made through Christ. It's made through his death on the cross. It's made through his resurrection. I love what Colossians 1, verses 19 through 22 says about this. It says, for in him, speaking of Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. By the way, not a little bit of godly, that's not 75% of God, All the fullness of God, we know that Jesus was God in the flesh, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once, and I love the past tense here, once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil things, has now, 
future tense, present tense, reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. There's that concept of imputed righteousness again, right? That through the death, through the resurrection, and believing in that, man, not only do we not used to do those things, we once were alienated, we once were hostile in our mind, we once were doing all those evil deeds. It doesn't mean you don't sin anymore. It just means you're not dominated by that. You don't live to sin. You know, you turn into a person who loves God's words. You, you, you love the Lord, and you're made right with God. And once we place our faith in Christ, his blood saves us from God's wrath. And his death on our behalf on the cross and his resurrection, this is a huge part. It, it's really unfortunate that, that um, a lot of people overemphasize the cross and minimize the resurrection. It's a two-four, Right? And, and, and just as true as it is that Jesus died for you, because when people say, oh, man, Jesus died for you, I'm going, and? <laughs> and he rose. Like, a lot of people have died, you know? A lot of people have died for the cause, but Jesus rose from the grave. And so we look at the powerful, atoning uh, death of Jesus, that he was our propitiation, that he was our substitute, right? He died on the cross, but the other part is that he resurrected. So look at verse 10. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his what? Life. It's the resurrection of Christ that brings that new life, new way to live, eternal life. And so we celebrate the death and the resurrection before God. And if you place your faith in him, we're talking about an eternal, we're talking about an eternal peace. And here's what's so crazy. God doesn't wait for you to clean up your act to be a recipient of this peace. One of the most mind-boggling verses in this whole section is verse 8. I mean, look at this. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, God looks down at us and goes, you're messy. And he doesn't say, you get cleaned up and then we'll talk. You get your act together, you become a better person, and then maybe we can, you know, figure this out. In the midst of our mess, he comes down and joins the mess out of his love for us. And he brings us this peace, this eternal peace that will last forever. And when you place your faith in Christ, the one who came to die for us while we were sinners, this is, this is something that lasts forever. So many people struggle with the assurance of faith, like, oh, you know, I, I cussed last week, did, you know, am I still saved? It's like, look, we're going to continue to fail. We're going to continue to fall at times. But once you cross the threshold of faith, this is an eternal peace. This war's over. You're on God's side forever. And this is where that hope comes from, that one day we're going to be face-to-face with God in his presence Forever forever. It's eternal. This peace is eternal. There's, there's no short shelf life here. And so we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice in that, that our standing before God is right for eternity. And so those who are right with God have eternal peace. And if that wasn't enough, almost like infomercial speak, but wait, there's more, you know, almost like a game show. Johnny, tell them what else they get. You know, we look at verses three and four on top of the eternal peace. Look what we see in verses three and four. More than that, on top of that, we rejoice in our sufferings. We're like, whoa, time out here. We're doing good, man. We're talking about eternal peace. We're talking about a hope. This intrusion of the word suffering shows up. We're going, what's with the word suffering all of a sudden? I like the word hope. That, that not only can we have this eternal peace, but secondly, we can have this, this enduring hope. But it's an enduring hope. Well, what does it have to endure? Difficulty, 
suffering, <laughs> trials. It's not just hope, it's an enduring hope that we see here. And so when we look at this, look at the progression that unfolds here. As you look at verses 3 and th- 4, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Well, who doesn't want endurance? Who wants to be weak? Who wants to be thin-skinned? Who wants to be easy to knock over? Who wants to be easy to get out of wind and life? It produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Who doesn't want good character? How do you know it is good character unless it's tested, right? Our sufferings test our character. Our character has to be tested, has to be refined, has to be purged of the impurities. God uses suffering as a purifier of the things in our life. And if that happens, it produces a hope. (coughs) And a hope that doesn't put us to shame. Because we know our standing with God is correct. We know the glory of the Lord that we're going to see. And so this is this enduring hope, this concept of enduring hope. And we all know that we live in a difficult world, a fallen world, where tragic things happen to us, in front of us. We're aware of them. But when I suffer... I have the opportunity to look through spiritual eyes, see it through a different perspective, and choose to grab hold of the joy and the hope and the strength that God has for me. Look, we're coming back to the concept we've talked about a lot of times. Everyone in this room, you've either suffered, are suffering, or you're going to suffer. (laughs) Isn't that exciting, you know? We just live in a fallen world. Bad stuff's going to happen. Bad stuff's going to happen. But I'm going to choose in that difficulty, to try to rejoice through the power that God's given me because I'm right with him. I love what pastor and author Randy Alcorn says about this concept. Look at the benefits he lays out and how God can use suffering in our life. And and, and ask yourself, which one of these would you not want to be true of you? God uses suffering to purge sin from our lives, strengthen our commitment to him, force us to depend on his grace, bind us together with other believers, produce discernment, foster sensitivity, discipline our minds, impart wisdom, stretch our hope, cause us to know Christ better, make us long for truth, lead us to repentance of sin, teach us to give thanks in times of sorrow, increase our faith and strengthen our character. And once he accomplishes such great things, often we can see that our suffering has been worth it. Man, if only we could really live, like a lot of us say we believe that, and then when the hard stuff happens, we go, ooh, do I really believe that? And it's time to really back up what we say we believe. And I think about all the things that we go through in life that are hard, that are difficult, but have some sort of reward. Look, look some of you in here just graduated recently, or you know someone who's graduated recently. Like, like think about that um, man, profound moment. You've got hours and hours and hours, years of study, lots of reading, lots of writing, lots of going to classes. I mean, there's a suffering in a sense that comes with that, right? Suffering through late nights, lots of coffee, getting up early, you know, on and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, one day, they put the silly flat hat on your head, and they put you in a robe, a bunch of little tasselly things, and you walk with a bunch of other people, you know, and you're given this rolled up piece of paper, and in that moment, all those hours of study, it's worth it. I think about rock climbers. This is so interesting. I, I'm fascinated by this. I have no interest in doing it because I'll probably kill myself the first time I try. 
But you get these guys that scale the faces of mountains, and some of them with no equipment, right? Climbing these rocks. I'm like, it would be a lot easier to use a helicopter. <laughs> Just, you know, you start on the ground, you get in, zzz, zzz, you're at the top. Look at the view. Isn't it great? And you think about the guys that are rock climbers, man, they you know, get their hands, and they're, they're hot, they're sweaty, their muscles are burning, they're getting cuts on their hand, they're getting bruises. It takes all stink a day to get up the stinking side of that mountain. But once they're up there, and that ability, that feeling of conquest, and they stand on the top of the mountain and look at the view, all that they just went through is worth it. Guys, we're like rock climbers in this life. We're, we're scaling this wall of life, and there's things that hurt, and there's things that burn, there's things that are uncomfortable, and there's discomfort that comes in our life. But one day, as followers of Christ, we're going to stand in the presence of God in his glory forever, and we're going to look back at what he built in our life at that time and go, it was worth it. It was worth it. He used it somehow. There's no helicopter ride. There's no easy way. We're going to have to endure suffering if we want to build any of this stuff. If you want to build endurance, you've got to become acquainted with suffering somehow. You want your character to be built, you've got to somehow suffer through something, relational difficulties, situations. You want hope? Well, how do you know what hope feels like until you've met hopeless situations? This is, this, is, this is the life God has equipped us for. And he's given us the ability to rejoice in this. He's given us the ability to endure this. On and on and on. I love what Romans 12, 12 says about this. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. You think those things are three separate situations right there? You think these are three fragmented, disconnected thoughts? Now look at that. Rejoice in the hope that we have. Why? Because we're going to be patient in tribulation. We want tribulation to be over fast. And God's going, most things take a little bit of time to produce something well. And with that, we can be constant in prayer. The difficulties in life should bring us to a place where we're praying more. You know, we can talk about this concept all day long. We can, we can unpack it theologically and all those things, but ultimately, it's just something we have to experience. Some unwelcomed aspect intruder is going to have to come into your life, and it's going to have to test you to see whether you really have this enduring hope. If you're going to live by an enduring hope, that Christ has offered you when you're right with God. And so because of that, I thought, man, one of the greatest ways to really understand that is to hear from someone who's living that right now. And so we've got a brother and a friend named Ted who's going to come up and share a little bit of his story with us this morning. So would you guys welcome up Ted with me this morning? Uh, Ted, well, thanks for coming up here, man. I really appreciate you being here and, and, uh, you know, you've, you've been coming to CVC for about three years, and um, you were invited by a friend, by the church, and uh, you've been plugged in, you got plugged in really quick, men's ministry, and, and uh, you love to serve, you love to get you roll up your sleeves and serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted serves with probably one of our most critical teams, always room for more. Um, every uh, service, there's a group of people in our prayer room just praying for what happens on site. We're praying for what happens in here, praying for what happens in our children's and youth ministry uh, environments. And so uh, Ted is in there praying with those prayer warriors that God would move mightily in people's hearts. And so thanks for serving. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Well, hey, we've been talking about this everlasting peace, this eternal peace, obviously that relationship with God. So maybe you can take a minute to just give us that thumbnail. Like, how did you find Christ? How did you discover Christ, learn about Christ, give your life to Christ, and experience eternal peace? Okay, okay so... 
First of all, I want to thank you, Pastor Chad, for, um, for having me here today. Uh, I'm, I'm praise God that the Holy Spirit was doing a work to stir your heart to have me here uh, on this day for a reason in God's good and perfect timing. Uh, and to everybody out there uh, that are in the, the prayer groups, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, uh, that have been praying for me, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, I know that a lot of you have been praying for me and you haven't put a face with the name and, and you wanted a face with the name and so here I am. But uh, so, And I want to thank my Jehovah Rapha for, uh, for, for granting healing over and over again in my situation uh, with this cancer as we continue to... Uh, to progress through this. Um, without you, Lord Jesus, I don't know where I would be right now. Uh, so I grew up in a uh, traditional church for most of my life, uh, rooted in legalism uh, with, um, you know, if you followed the rituals, then you were pleasing God. And, and I just became very disconcerted uh, with that over time. And... Um, and I decided that, um, that I wanted to seek the God of the Bible and seek his truth out uh, and follow that. So uh, a friend gave me a study Bible. And I started to really soak the word of God up. And, um, and uh, at that point, I, I had given my life to Christ then. And then shortly after that, as I had been praying for intimacy with Jesus, I wanted it right away. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to wait and have it eventually, you know, grow into my life. I wanted immediate intimacy, so I had been praying for that. And um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this this cancer diagnosis hits me. And. Um, and uh, the diagnosis was stage four small intestinal cancer with METs to the liver. Um, and we would have to start aggressive chemotherapy treatments immediately. So it was like, wow, if, if this is how, you know, you're going to make me <laughs> intimate with you, yeah. Jesus. Wow, this is like something that I didn't know, you know, you would do something like this or let this happen to me. But, but I, I, I ended up submitting to him and, um, and I turned it over. Uh, and um, so after that, um, we, um, we went through many ups and downs. Uh, you know, uh, four surgeries, 49 chemotherapy treatments over three years, uh, three allergic reactions uh, to the medicines, two of which almost left me for dead. Um, but in all of it, I rejoiced in the sufferings because it allowed me to become more conformed to the image of Jesus. It, 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 I saw that there, there was a likeness there between a similarity between him and I that... Uh, that I could go through this suffering, and I know his grace was pulling me through all of it uh, because there were times when I could have given up, and I didn't. Uh, I kept trusting in him, and, 
and it was a sign that my faith was growing uh, and and emerging uh, more strongly uh, each and every day through through what we were going through. And of course, my prayer life became more and more enhanced uh, through these trials, which also showed me that there was a work of sanctification going on there by, by the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this, because this, this is really profound. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this a little bit last service too, that, that so often people will, will, will follow Christ, they'll give their lives to Christ, and then something bad happens. Mm-hmm. And this is like, wow, I just gave my life to you, and then this bad thing happens. You were supposed to make my life easy, you know? Right. And, right. And, and a lot of times people will. They'll, they'll give up on God. You know, even the, the parable of the soils talks about that, when mm-hmm. the, those seeds that are planted on the rocks, that once hard, you know, the, the heat comes up, they, they wither and die. Um, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here. We haven't talked about this, but I think this will help. Um, we're talking about this concept of like, okay, I'm trusting, I'm praying, I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a, a little bit of a glimpse of what does that look like in your life? Because I think there's some people out here probably going, okay, I, I, I'm going through something hard. How do, how do I rejoice in that? How do I have hope? Like, what does that really look like in a moment when maybe I'm struggling with my diagnosis or my situation? Well, for me, it was, it was kind of easy for me because I knew that Christ had gained the victory at the cross for me. So if something bad were going to happen to me and and I wasn't going to be alive, I was going to gain a promotion in heaven. But yet I still wanted to be here for my family and see my son grow up at the same time. But I knew, Lord, if I'm rolling with you and I'm going along with your good and perfect will, you know, you're going to do what's best for me. And so... It was easy. It was like, I'm in a can't-lose situation here. You know, I'm going to win either way. It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I was very blessed uh, by the Lord to, to be able to understand that and, and be able to apply that to my situation immediately. Well, that's, you know, Scripture tells us that to, to die is game but to live is Christ. It's just and that's, like that's, that's, you know... That was, you know, uh, Philippians one twenty one. Yeah, that's probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Yeah, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's great to be here, but far better for me to be with the Lord Jesus Christ and to have uh, a glorified body where there's where there's no disease or, or or sickness or illness where we could live forever and ever with Him and reign with Him forever. So what I hear you saying is really what we're talking about. You have that eternal security. You know Christ. You trust Christ. And Mm -hmm. since you have Christ in your life, cancer came flooding in. Mm -hmm. It's taking you through a really rough road, which, you know, is a much bigger story. Ultimately, you've experienced the reality of this hope and being able to rejoice in your suffering because of Christ. That's right. Uh, Well, Ted, thank you for sharing that. I think Mm -hmm. um, one one last thing. Um, Everybody here has either gone through something, is going through something, or is probably going to go through something. And so if, if you were to kind of speak to this moment um, for the men and women, boys and girls out here that are going through something, and kind of, I don't know, teach from your life what God's taught you, what, what, what would you say? Well, what I would say is we all need to live like we have a cancer diagnosis. We don't know if tomorrow is going to be guaranteed in our lives. I think a lot of times as Christians, we get so complacent in the fact that the Lord is taking care of me and he's fulfilling all my needs and that 
he's going to allow me to live to be 80 or 85 years old one day, and, and, and it's just not, that's not the way it's going to happen. You know, uh, there are so many people out here that are desperate to hear the gospel. And, and I really think that, um, that, that time is short and the days are evil. I, I really think that uh, we're living in a world where we, it could be coming to an end pretty soon. And, uh, and, and folks need to hear the gospel, and, and, and we're responsible to share that with them. And um, so I think we need to live with the desperation um, and a sense of urgency to share the gospel with these people because they need eternal hope. We know what eternal hope is as Christians, but, but those that don't know Christ, they need to know what this eternal hope is because if they never come to know who Jesus Christ is, I shudder to think at what's going to happen with them for all of eternity. And I certainly don't want that on my conscience. Um, and so, and the Lord has provided such wonderful opportunities for me through this illness because I am a mailman. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm out there on my beat. I'm out there on the route and people are asking me how I'm doing. And a lot of them don't know Christ. And it's a great way for me to be able to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be able to share who Christ is and what he's been doing for me. And he's provided so many opportunities and I've been able to, uh, been able to uh, share the gospel with many people because of uh, what the Lord has done. So I say to the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for my cancer because I would have never have had the opportunity with probably half of the people that I've spoken to to be able to share that wonderful message with them. But so I say thank you uh, for my infirmities, Lord Jesus. It's almost like you're carrying a message for two entities when you're out there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's true. Very true. Well, Ted, we will continue to pray for you. And uh, we're very grateful that you took the time and energy to come and share a piece of your story. And it's very encouraging to hear and to see and to, and to see demonstrated um, this, this enduring hope. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing today, man. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, brother. So through Christ, we can have eternal peace, and we can have enduring hope. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I mean, you start to think about where we all land, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in this room, that, man, you're either with God or you're against him. And the only way you're going to have peace with God is not through good works, not through going to church, not through, hey, my friend, my family member believes in Jesus, so I'll just ride in on their, you know, (laughs) just kind of hitch a ride on their faith. You have to believe in who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and in his resurrection. All of us live in a broken, fallen world. We're going to endure hardship. We're going to endure suffering. We're going to endure difficulty. Are we going to let it immobilize us, overwhelm us, neutralize us? Are we going to take it and say, God, I don't, I don't like this being in my life? but it's here, so I'm still going to glorify you. I'm going to find a way to rejoice. I'm going to find a way to still be usable. I'm going to let this be used for you, like Ted was sharing. And I hope that's your, your, your hope and your desire today. Here's, here's what we're going to do. I want to, I want to close out with a couple of challenges uh, this morning. Uh, the, first, the first challenge is this. If, if you're a follower of Christ today, it's very easy to 
talk about this hope and talk about this peace and talk about this joy and suffering, but then when it comes to actually follow through, to, to actually step out and trust and, and just say, God, I'm going to find a way to rejoice. I'm going to go deeper in prayer. I'm going to surrender more. I'm going to yield the right to say my life should be this way. I'm just going to, I'm just going to glorify you and whatever comes. And it's so interesting because um, we don't like to feel vulnerable. And so sometimes there's a disconnect between what we say we believe and our willingness to express it and be vulnerable with it. And so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like for everybody to stand with me right now. We're, we're, we're going to do a few things. One, we're, we're going to receive our offering here. So just prepare your hearts. That, that's going to be taking place in a minute. And on that note, just thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for praying here at CVC. Because of that, lives are being changed like Ted's and others. But as that's taking place, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask for a bigger offering on top of that. I'm going to ask for an offering of your expression. Hey, look, your favorite basketball team can take a rubber ball and put it through a metal hoop, and you're like, woohoo, yeah! <coughs> Hands up, shout, make a fool out of ourselves. Here's the deal. You got a Savior who died for you and rose for you so that you could have eternal life and you can have this hope, this hope. And so if you believe that, if you proclaim that, I want to ask you to do something vulnerable. I want to ask you that during this song, which we pick the song with intentionality, it's in Christ alone. Only through Christ can we have eternal peace. Only through Christ can we have enduring hope. I want to ask you to do something. It's an invitation, not obligation, all right? But I invite you to do something vulnerable, which is just to raise your hands during the song. Both hands high. It's like, whoa, that's a little vulnerable. That's a little transparent. Uh-huh, it's okay. If you can do it for a basketball team, I think you can do it for Jesus. Amen. With even more enthusiasm than for the Cavs. <laughs> And that would just be simply an off, it'd be an expression. It's an invitation to obligation. Don't do it unless it's authentic. And you're saying, no matter what life brings my way, I will trust in Christ. That's your expression. But it'd also be tragic if there's anyone here today that you don't have peace with God. As of right now, you're still considered an enemy of God. You have not believed in God's gift, his love, the sacrifice of the cross, the resurrection. It'd be tragic for you to leave today in that state. And if you're here, today might be the day God has for you to say, get right with me. And if you want that, I'm going to give you an invitation. In my hand, I just have a few nails. Nothing fancy about the nails. They're just a little piece of metal. But they symbolize and represent the fact that Jesus died for you and rose for you so that you can have eternal life, a new life. And as we're worshiping, as we're closing out, I'm just going to hold my hand open right here, just like this. I'm holding out these nails. I'm, I'm extending Christ's invitation to you to say, come, follow me. Come, believe in me. And I don't care if you're in the back row in the balcony or in the front row. If you know that you need Jesus. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm, I've had a bad week or I just, my life's not going. I'm talking about, I am not right with God. I need Jesus. I believe today that Jesus died for me and rose for me. I'm going to invite you to come up here and grab one of these nails. If you do, I'm going to ask you to just come over here to this front row afterwards and just sing with us. And afterwards, a couple of our friends just want to just grab you for a minute and give you a couple things. But during this time, I'm just going to hold these open. And if anyone here needs to become right with God, come grab a nail. Be bold. Be courageous. Do what needs to be done. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment that we have, that we can express 
our hope in you alone. Thank you for this moment that we're providing, that we're extending the words of you, Jesus. Come, follow me. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to be made right with you, God, they have the boldness to do that. God, if there's anyone going through a hard time, that the raising of those hands would be such a free expression that no matter what is going on in their life, no matter how difficult, they're going to learn to rejoice and trust and hope in it. God, take these gifts they're about to give and use them for your glory, for your purposes. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen.